Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And today we are wrapping up our three-week series on chaplaincy ministry. We have recently inaugurated a chaplaincy emphasis here at Beeson Divinity School, aimed at preparing men and women for chaplaincy ministry. This emphasis includes a recommended track of study within the Master of Divinity program, vocational guidance and enrichment, access to chaplain networks, and scholarship funding. Chaplains provide a much-needed gospel witness and Christian care and counsel in many of life's most critical times and places. So if you or someone you know feels called to chaplaincy ministry, we hope you'll look us up. All right, Kristen, who do we have on the show with us today? We have Chaplain Matt Madison. Chaplain Madison is the command chaplain for the U.S. Army Contracting Command headquartered at Redstone Arsenal right here in the state of Alabama in Huntsville. He is a Master of Divinity graduate from Beeson in 2001. He is licensed and ordained in the Southern Baptist Convention. He serves as a minister, and he has lots of awards and medals, but I'll just mention one. He has received the Bronze Star Medal, and we hope to hear more about his work as a chaplain today. And finally, he's married to Janet, and they have two children. So welcome, Matt, to the Beeson Podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we always like to begin getting to know our guest a little bit better. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you are from, anything about your family and what you're up to these days? Sure. Um, as you said, my name's Matt Madison. And although I was born in New Jersey, where my dad was uh, pastoring a church, so I'm a PK. I grew up primarily just right down the road in Huntsville uh, in Decatur, Alabama, and uh, graduated from Auburn University before going straight to Beeson from there. So Janet and I met when I was in college and we've been married now for over 26 years and one child in college and another who is a junior in high school here in Huntsville. So last last November, I started my newest assignment as the command chaplain, as you said, at U.S. Army Contracting Command at Redstone Arsenal. And this is the first time that we've lived in Alabama since I joined the Army in January of 2002. So it's great to be back. And my parents live here in Huntsville, both my sisters. So getting a lot of, it's a very unique assignment, unique opportunity. Most uh, military members never get to live where, where their whole family lives. And one of the things we've been asking guests about during this chaplaincy series is how they figured out that the Lord was calling them into chaplaincy ministry. We've been seminary people for a long time. Lots of students arrive knowing for sure they're supposed to do some kind of ministry, but not many of them arrive with a clear sense that God's moving them into chaplaincy ministry. Could you speak to that a little bit just personally? How, how did you figure out that the Lord wanted you in chaplaincy ministry and how did he kind of lead you through that? Yeah, so growing up, I was kind of that stereotypical uh, boy who loved playing army. Um, I grew up across the street from a, a guy who was in the 20th Special Forces group. Um, and he used to give me all his old army equipment. And then my grandfather was a World War II infantry veteran who fought across Europe and actually met up with the Russians on the Elbe um, at the end of World War II. So even before going to seminary, I was, I was always interested in the army, but 
never really thought that I'd serve. I did actually look into the chaplain candidacy program. I think, I think my first year at Beeson even went and got a physical, but didn't feel a piece about that. And so, you know, just the, the interest in the army kind of continued. I used to read books uh, about the military. And then in my final semester at Beeson, 9-11 hit. And so after some prayer and discussion with Janet and some friends, I uh, felt God leading me to enlist in the infantry and serve uh, during the time of war. Even though I, I could have gone in, you know, as an officer, I just felt that I wanted to serve. I didn't want to, you know, be 50 and look back on my life and wish that I had I'd raised my right hand uh, after America was attacked. So initially, I kind of thought I would just maybe serve a few years and then get back out and go into uh, local church ministry. But early on during basic training, I had a really positive interaction with a Southern Baptist chaplain, Tommy Vaughn, who uh, was from Alabama and just really opened my eyes to the possibilities of military chaplaincy. And then during my initial assignment at Fort Bragg, I soon realized how important having a good chaplain was and and kind of how detrimental not having a good chaplain was. And, and so Janet and I soon began considering applying for the chaplaincy and, and felt called to do so. And, and so my story was in January 2003, a, a year after I, I, had, I had enlisted, I uh, was deployed to Afghanistan and I had finished all my paperwork for the chaplaincy before deploying. And I needed one more interview with a fellow uh, with a Southern Baptist chaplain. And so I was able to do that in Kandahar, Afghanistan. And like a month and a half, two months later, I came in from a mission, was able to get on email and found out that I had been not only endorsed by the SBC, but also accepted on active duty by the Army. So it was a really quick turnaround for me. And, you know, one of the interesting things is that I spent four years on active duty as a chaplain before we felt that God was calling us back into local church ministry. And so I spent three years from 2007 to 2010 as the family minister at North Phoenix Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And God really used that for me to uh, to grow me, to mature me in my calling and, and identity, and eventually called us back into the chaplaincy in 2010, where we've been ever since. So I had a little break in service there, but uh, been doing that. And I mean, I guess for me, I felt that my gifts, talents, and experiences lined up well with the Army chaplaincy. You know, Army chaplains are responsible for the soul care of, of soldiers. And I love being with soldiers, um, roughing it in the woods, jumping out of airplanes, uh, visiting them in the motor pool. And I'm sure I could have done some of those things in the Air Force or the Navy, but really the Army just suited my interests and personality the best. Yeah, they don't let seminary beans do those things. I feel uh, gypped a little bit. Well, prior to coming back to Alabama, you served in Italy. And so we would love to know just about living in Italy, serving in Italy. But then secondly, I wonder if you can tell uh, our listeners a little bit more about what a chaplain does. What does it look like to minister as a military chaplain from day to day? Yeah, for sure. So I was in Italy uh, before coming back to Alabama. I was there for a little over three years. And uh, this was my first overseas assignment that wasn't a combat deployment. So my family came with me and they were with me for the first two years. Um, And then we moved them back to Huntsville uh, during the pandemic. So my role there in Italy was uh, I was called the operations chaplain. So I focused on planning and executing events with African military chaplains, uh, where we would exchange uh, some best practices, learn from each other. So it was a a great time of, of interacting with, with chaplains from all over Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, the Gambia, uh, Ghana. And um, 
So it was a different assignment than, than some of the other assignments I've had. And so it was unique because a chaplain, you know, begins their career usually in a battalion where the focus is direct ministry to soldiers and their families. And, and this is really where most of the soul care of the army takes place. So if you just imagine your pastor coming to your place of work and visiting with you and, you know, um, doing some of the same work that you do uh, and providing religious support when you need it, instead of you going to your church to find your pastor, uh, that's a good way to picture what being a chaplain in those early years is like. But not only do you provide direct religious support, you also advise the commander in areas like the morale of the unit, how religion might impact operations when you're deployed, um, ethics, moral leadership, and so forth. And then as you move up in rank, your role is more to lead and, and develop junior chaplains and, and then to work strategically to, to further the mission of the chaplain corps. But you, know, you still have opportunities in every assignment to directly minister to soldiers, to preach at chapel services, lead Bible studies, provide counseling, all those different kinds of things that, that other ministers do. But for me personally, I, I'd say the hallmark of my ministry in the Army chaplaincy has been ministering to warriors. And, and that you know, comes partly out of my experience, first enlisting in the infantry and being a warrior, having uh, deployed as an infantryman to Afghanistan and experienced combat. I'm able to have a kind of a unique um, link to those warriors. And many times they'll listen to me uh, simply because of, of some of my experiences. But I, I've been able to help many of them explore their faith, connect or reconnect to God um, and find healing from spiritual wounds. So you know, I've just absolutely loved going where my soldiers go, experiencing the same hardships that they experience, all while ensuring that they have the freedom to exercise their faith as guaranteed by the Constitution. I've jumped out of airplanes at night, marched 20 miles with a heavy rucksack, gone on countless convoys and patrols in Afghanistan. I've counseled soldiers and spouses through some of their darkest days and helped commanders make difficult decisions uh, that would impact their unit. And I've prayed over, over fallen soldiers. I've, I performed over 400 funerals in 18 months as a cemetery chaplain at Arlington National Cemetery. As a basic training battalion chaplain, I had the privilege of helping brand new soldiers find their faith and, and then mentoring chaplains, brand new ones, on their very first assignment in the challenging 82nd Airborne Division. And then, as I said, in my last assignment, you know, getting to interact with chaplains from all over Africa, it's just been a, been a varied career with different assignments. And then COVID hit. So uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's a polite way of putting it. And what a marvelous set of ministry opportunities you've had over the years. I hope listeners who are wondering about chaplaincy ministry hear that uh, and understand the kind of the rich variety of things that people involved in military chaplaincy are able to do with folks. Well, you mentioned COVID. That was on my list of things to ask you about. The last couple of years, we've had lots of pastors on the podcast and have asked them, how has COVID affected the ministry that you're engaged in? And I think probably by now our listeners have a good feel for that, but it's probably a little bit harder for many to imagine how COVID has affected your work as a military chaplain. Has it put a damper on things or how has it been? Yeah, so I would imagine the military experienced the impacts of COVID much the same way the rest of society did. You know, we had to learn how to handle movement restrictions, the wearing of masks, uh, shutting down of travel, all those things. Um, and I happened to be in Italy at the time. So my experience was probably uh, very different from those soldiers that were stationed here in the U.S. Um, I think most military members have you know, followed whatever's been going on in their state and in their, their locality. They've kind of had 
face the same restrictions. In Italy, we had to we had to do what Italy was doing. And so, you know, there was you couldn't go anywhere without a declaration on you. You movement was severely restricted. There were fines, potential fines. And like a lot of places here, our biggest impact was that we had to stop worshiping in person and quickly transition uh, to an online format, uh, which is something that that we hadn't done, just like a lot of local church pastors had never had an online presence. Um, And so I was privileged to help lead that effort in Italy. And in the early days of the pandemic, we were, I think, the second um, chapel service that was online in the entire world within the army. And our online Sunday morning worship service was reaching thousands of people. And so so that was that was pretty, pretty impressive. So it was an opportunity. And it's one that in my current assignment, I've continued to utilize online delivery of religious support. So I offer a weekly devotion, a weekly Bible study and monthly spiritual fitness and uh, resilience events. The event that we offered for Black History Month had over 300 participants online. So, you know, I can say with pretty good certainty that I never would have gotten that level of participation you know, in person uh, prior to COVID. But people will t- tune into a Teams meeting as they continue to telework. So I think chaplains, much like their civilian counterparts, have had to be innovative as we seek to revitalize and, and cultivate community. It's been challenging. It's also kind of been energizing to figure out how to, how to crack that nut and minister to people in some challenging uh, situations. Back at, at my previous question, you mentioned a lot of uh, different ways in which you've been able to serve. So what have been some of the greatest challenges that you faced or that military chaplains in general face? And then what are some of the greatest joys and blessings? I think one of the greatest challenges that military chaplains face are, are those that impact their families. Um, you know, the longest that we've lived in any one place since 2002 is three years. Uh, so most of my assignments have been for two years or less. And the uprooting from friends and churches and schools is uh, is very difficult. I moved a lot as a as a preacher's kid, too, but um, it was maybe every eight, nine years, uh, you know. So I think that the impacts on family are the ones that that can be the most challenging. But I think it's also challenging um, to be a religious leader in a secular setting. So in a church, everyone looks to the pastor for spiritual leadership and, and guidance and, and recognizes his or her spiritual authority. But in the military setting, you have to be confident in your calling and, and in what you bring to the table, because, you know, some people just don't care for chaplains and don't think that they belong. But I'd say the vast majority of soldiers I've encountered realize the value that chaplains bring to the table and are grateful for all they do to take care of people. There are some challenges, but, you know, there's also a lot of great joys and blessings. Many times for me, it's just the random unplanned conversations where, where people let you in and give you the opportunity to speak into their spiritual lives. And, you know, in those moments, you realize just how great the responsibility is to speak life and hope and truth and love uh, into, into that space. And so, um, you know, more than anything else is probably the, the relationships that I've made and, and the friendships that that follow us wherever we go. I wonder if we could get you to 
speak for a minute or two, Matt, to those students who might be wondering about whether chaplaincy is for them. How should they go about discerning this? And how would you like to coach them as they try to figure out whether they should move into military chaplaincy in particular? Yeah, so chaplaincy, I think, is a great setting in which to fulfill your call to ministry. And, uh, you know, I've actually chosen to do it twice. And I can tell you that when I first answered the call to full-time ministry, when, uh, you know, when I was 19 years old, all I could conceive of back in 1995 was being a senior pastor, a music minister, uh, or maybe a youth minister. And I had been, before coming to Beeson, I'd been a, uh, a an interim youth minister at a large church, and I knew God wasn't calling me to do that. Uh, so I came to Beeson kind of wondering and just kind of assuming that I would be a senior pastor like my dad somewhere, although that never quite felt like the perfect fit. And of course, today, there are a lot of different options um, for, uh, I think it's just more wide, widely known, more widely accepted, different avenues of ministry that you can do both in the local church and, you know, in parachurch ministries and so forth. And chaplaincy continues to grow, uh, not just military chaplaincy, but workplace, uh, first responder, hospital, prison, so forth. So I think it helps just like, you know, when I was first looking at, at the possibility of being a chaplain, I had just tons of uh, misunderstandings, I think. And I think a lot of people do. People believe that chaplains are really restricted in being able to share their faith or represent their denomination. And I just, that has not been, you know, my experience. In many ways, being a chaplain is like being a missionary. Um, You're sent by your endorsing agency or your denomination to the military culture to immerse yourself in that culture and then bring hope to those you minister to. Now, as a chaplain, you're both a minister and a staff officer. And and what that means is that you have to be adept at being a military officer in many of the same ways that other military officers are. So you got to know how to wear the uniform. You have to stay in physical, good physical shape. Um, You have to, you know, speak the lingo and be able to, to write the way the military wants you to write all those, all those different things. And you got to do that while performing a unique role that no one else can do. So fundamentally, chaplains serve to protect the right of service members to exercise their faith, uh, no matter you know what it may might be. And in the Army, we do that by providing religious support and advising the command, provide and advise. Um, and there are so many varied ways to do that. So I love the variety that comes with Army chaplaincy. I'm, I'm comfortable with and enjoy change. So for me, being able to move to a new location, have a new assignment with new challenges, I mean, that really appeals to me. And I think, I think chaplains have to be comfortable with who they are and have a real solid faith identity. They, they have to be okay with toiling away sometimes and anonymity only to be thrust into the spotlight when there's an emergency, like the death of a soldier or a sudden deployment or a marital crisis. So, you know, I would encourage uh, your listeners who are in seminary and are unsure uh, just how to work out God's calling in their life uh, to consider military chaplaincy. And when I was praying about coming back in in 2010, what I heard God say to me is uh, I was trying to decide between going back into the chaplaincy or looking for a senior pastorate role somewhere else. And what I heard God say to me was, Matt, you can fulfill your calling in the ministry in the local church or in the chaplaincy. Just realize there will be blessings and curses wherever you serve. And so don't think that it's just, you know, going to be rainbows and and everything in in one place and not in the other. So uh, consider military chaplaincy. You might just be surprised and find that it's the perfect fit 
for your ministry. How did Beeson in particular help prepare you for chaplaincy ministry, Matt? And were there any particular classes or professors that had a profound impact on you and the work that you do today? So chaplains must be committed to working in a pluralistic environment. And that doesn't mean that you have to compromise your particular faith identity. I've never been asked or forced to do something that would conflict with my Southern Baptist convention, uh, convictions, for example. But it does mean that you're willing to interact respectfully with chaplains from a wide variety of backgrounds and offer assistance to soldiers from an equally wide variety of faiths and worldviews. And I've given credit through the years many times to Beeson for helping prepare me for that. You know, I could have gone to a Southern Baptist seminary, but instead of doing that and being surrounded only by fellow Southern Baptists. I was studying alongside Methodists and Presbyterians, um, AME Zion ministers, and, uh, you know, even a Messianic Jew, right? So, so I consistently heard theological viewpoints that were different than my own, not only from fellow students, but also from, from professors. And I learned to participate in rich discussions uh, and be open to learning from traditions other than my own. And uh, of course, the top-notch academic preparation at Beeson is is just unparalleled. You know, from preaching classes with Dr. Robert Smith and uh, Dr. Calvin Miller, you know, they taught me things that I still use today. And church history with Dr. Bray, uh, New Testament and Greek, Dr. Thielman, you know, Dr. Ken Matthews. I still remember him continuing to teach in class while putting eye drops in. I don't know how he did that, but probably still does that. Fisher Humphreys for, the, for theology. You know, Beeson was a perfect place to prepare me for, for whatever ministry God would lead me into. And it just happened to be the Army chaplaincy. So I will be uh, forever grateful to Dr. Timothy George and all those who were leading and, and serving while I was at Beeson. And I'm grateful to you guys for continuing the legacy uh, today and for having me on the podcast. Well, we're grateful to you for your ministry and your service, Chaplain Madison. And Kristen and I like to end these podcast interviews by asking our guests what they're learning these days from the Lord that uh, you might be willing to share with our listeners by way of edifying them in their daily walk. So uh, we want to ask you, what's God teaching you these days? You know, for me, I'd say that a lot of my early ministry in a lot of ways, seemed easy. Um, it really seemed like, you know, it was right in the center of God's will and things were going well. And I'd say the last two years have been two of the hardest years uh, for us in, in many ways. And yet God has faithfully led and guided us, even, even when we struggled to understand, even when we couldn't see. And in truth, there are still things going on that we don't understand and, and we can't see how God will work it out. But But Janet and I have discovered that it is precisely in those trials and times of difficulty and heartache that you most learn to lean on Jesus and trust in him. You know, in the good times, having faith is almost easy. It's in the trials and the testing uh, that your faith is purified and and you grow closer to the Lord. So in the words of that old hymn, uh, we are learning more each day to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that's what I'd say to encourage our listeners today. Continue to trust and obey the Lord in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And who knows, maybe that path will lead you into the army chaplaincy. Thank you listeners. You have been listening to the Reverend Matt Madison. He is command chaplain uh, stationed at the Redstone Arsenal for the United States army. We are proud to say he is an alumnus of Beeson Divinity School. We are deeply grateful to him for giving us some time today to have this interview with him. And we say to you, goodbye for now. 
been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.